Oh, boy. Well, good evening, everybody. This is not a full episode of This is Sports Zone. I am Mike Aguilar, and I don't really know what to call this, but every now and I, every now and then I do one of these by myself. Uh, when something big happens, generally, of course, involving the New York Mets, uh, that I don't think I want to wait till Tuesday for, and I want to be able to say everything I want to say here. So I'm gonna talk a little bit uh, about the events of late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning. Because, you know, I went to sleep last night not really thinking too much about the World Baseball Classic. I don't really think too much about spring training games. The World Baseball Classic itself is an idea. Like, you know, it's, it's a nice idea and everything. When the Olympics uh, stopped letting baseball be an Olympic sport, I came up with this World Baseball Classic idea. And somebody had the brilliant idea to put it in March when most players are trying to gradually ramp up and get themselves into shape for the regular season. Let's throw a tournament where everybody has to go at full speed and are actually competing for someone right before the season that they all get paid to play. And I was never crazy about the idea to begin with. And then I wake up to the news this morning that Edwin Diaz injured himself in the middle of a uh, celebration because Team Puerto Rico got out of the pool stage and is going to the second round of the World Baseball Classic. Major injury had to be taken off the field in a wheelchair, his brother behind him crying. And it looked bad. And then this afternoon, we get the news that Edwin Diaz has a torn patella tendon in his knee and is going to miss the regular season. And more than likely, he would miss the playoffs too on everything I've heard. So, yeah, coming off an offseason that was good, but in typical Met fashion, it was an offseason where even when things go right, they don't go all the way right. We lose Jacob deGrom, guy who should have been the next franchise icon. Now he's pitching in Texas. Now, we rebounded off that, obviously. We got Verlander, we got Quintana, we got uh, Senga, re-signed Nemo, re-signed Diaz as free agency began. That was the first shot we took. It was very nice coming off the year that he had last season. And we added a couple bullpen pieces. We brought in David Robertson. We brought in Brooks Raley. We re-signed Adam Adovino. And then the Correa thing happened. And I think the biggest problem I had with the Correa thing was just that while I know, you know, from Cohen's standpoint, if he's going to be throwing all this money around, you know, if his baseball people are telling him there's an issue, 
maybe not the best thing to commit that much money to a guy long term when you've already spent all, all the money that he spent this offseason. Maybe not the best idea to go forward with it if there's a question of whether or not he's going to perform fully for the duration of that contract. Wish you would have waited to give that interview to John Heyman, but that ain't the point. We come in to spring training, and listen, this is this is a do or die team. This is a this is a World Series or bust team. You spend as much money as you've spent in the off season, you're over the luxury tax by a ridiculous amount. You got close to one hundred fifty dollars. $150 million in luxury tax fees alone, you, you're going to be expected to be a World Series team. And in all fairness, roster-wise, the, the Mets, you know, it's the Mets, it's the Yankees, it's the Braves, it's the Dodgers, it's the Padres, it's the Astros. That's probably before Wednesday what you would consider the elite rosters in baseball are that group right there and then you know we get the news that Quintana went down and thankfully the Mets did you know bring in enough pitching wise that guys like David Peterson and Tyler McGill can be considered rotation depth so as much as I'm a little concerned with the fact that we have to eat into that depth this early in the season okay fine now Diaz is gone. And I could yell and scream about the World Baseball Classic all I want. Everybody's going to act like, oh, it's his own fault because he was jumping up and down during a uh, celebration and he hurt himself. What a moron. And, you know, there's some truth to that. But the video I saw, I didn't see Edwin Diaz jumping around. What I saw was him embracing the pile of players that conjugated, um, congregated, excuse me, near the, near the pitching mound. And I saw him, the pile kind of pushing him back and his right leg didn't unstraighten. So that means his knee was kind of locked into place there. Now, maybe I'll see another video later today or at some point over the weekend that shows the know that he was jumping. But, I mean, we're talking about semantics at this point anyway. Whether he was jumping up and down or the players pushed him, his knee was stiff and something buckled. Because we're celebrating a championship-like level tournament in March before the season that all these guys are paid millions of dollars to perform in. And that is just ridiculous to me. It's a nice idea. I'm not going to lie. The World Baseball Classic is a nice idea. It's like all-star games are a nice idea. They're for kids who get giddy seeing all the stars congregated together. And when you get to be an adult, you realize it's not all the stars. Look at uh, the Team USA uh, uh, pitching staff to validate that. 
because there's no real stars on Team USA because a lot of teams don't let their players play. And I should say don't let their players play in it. And a lot of star players who have been around, like a Max Scherzer, like a Brendan Nemo, if I'm being honest, Scherzer gave uh, the interview the other day, and I, I can't remember it verbatim, but he basically said, you know, the placement of it makes it a little difficult to be able to ramp yourself up for that and be able to last the length of the season. I want to be able to throw 30 starts this season. I want to be able to throw 200 innings this season. To just add one more thing to start off the season, I don't really want to try to go through that. It's hard to blame him for that, considering the way his last couple seasons have ended. Um, last year, I think, was kind of a freak thing with the fact that the oblique injury wound up being a hindrance even when he came back, and he just didn't have the gas to really compete it or completed, excuse me, tripping over my words here. Um, Nimmo, I love what he said a few weeks back about why he chose not to do it. I don't begrudge Edwin Diaz for choosing to do it. I don't. But this is a big loss. This is a, this is a ridiculously big loss for any team to have to suffer before the goddamn season starts. It's ridiculous. And I know I've heard people say, well, he could have gotten this in spring training. He could have gotten this in his bathroom. This could have happened anyway. Yeah, okay. Injuries happen anywhere. It's pronounced when you're doing it, in my opinion. It's pronounced when you're doing it in a, in a tournament where you're treating it like a championship before the season you're paid to perform in. That's, that's the problem I have with it. And that's why I never liked the idea from the start. Um, if this is the only major injury that happens, this world baseball classic, I'll be very surprised. Truthfully, I'm surprised that this is the first one we've heard of so far. Um, I know the Mets had Brooks Raley on, um, the WBC roster. He got taken off about a week or two back, uh, with some minor injury that I guess hasn't been a problem because I haven't heard anything else about it in the last week or so. Um, but, of course, the Mets had like 10, 15 guys going on uh, on this roster. Some of the other teams were smart enough not to let that many players go in it if they let their players go in it at all. Um, but a, a, a tournament like this should be held in November, in my opinion. Oh, what about the fact that it's in the offseason? Players got to get – you know something? Keep it out of the ability to have it be in harm's way of the actual season. If anything I just said made any sense there. You put it in November, guess what? If you're already hurt and you're still recovering from a season in season, you ain't going to play anyway. If you get hurt in November, you still have three or four months to get yourself ready. So even if you suffer a big injury like this one, Diaz is going to be out for the whole season. Recovery time for this is at least six months. It is March 16th. Happy 316, by the way. Yeah, thanks. Wish someone would stun whoever the hell decided the World Baseball Classic was a good idea. Anyway, um, if this happened, and six months is kind of the low side on these type of injuries. Apparently, it takes as much as eight months. So say this happened in November. Well, okay, 
yeah, he's probably still missing a significant chunk of this season, but he's not missing the whole goddamn season. So where do the Mets go from here? Well, I got I, I gotta tell you, this is bad. This is really bad. And what makes it worse, in my opinion, Edwin Diaz. Mad fans and Edwin Diaz, we've been through a lot together. 2019, dude was straight dog shit. Might have been scented colored dog shit, but it was still dog shit what he put out there. One of the biggest debacles I've ever seen in my entire life from a player was him pitching in 2019 after the ridiculous seasons he had in back-to-back years in Seattle. And now we know a little bit more in terms of the juiced ball and all that shit. And a lot of, a lot of pitchers struggled that year. His was catastrophic. And the fact that this man did not let that debacle define his time in New York, because he got a little better in 2020, got a little better in 2021. And then last season, he had one of the greatest seasons a, a relief pitcher has ever had. Maybe one of the five greatest seasons a relief pitcher has ever had. So to lose a guy who came from that 2019 season was able to turn himself around and become what he came last season to the point where he gets the biggest contract ever given to a relief pitcher, and he deserved it, and we lose that, it's horrible. And I do feel bad for Diaz now because his Met career is not over. He's got four years left on the contract. What condition is he going to come back in, though? How long does it take him to regain his form? Does he ever regain his form from 2022? Because I got to be honest, coming into this season, I I was pretty sure there was going to be some sort of decline. Maybe not a catastrophic uh, decline, but when you have a season like you did last season, very hard to replicate that. Very hard to follow it up. So I thought some sort of... um, regression to the mean was inevitable on that but now (sighs) but that's that's a year from now unfortunately what do the Mets do from here well this was a problem I had with the Mets offseason and it was a minor one when you consider how much money they spent on getting the three starting pitchers, how much money they spent on Edwin Diaz, how much money they spent on Brandon Nemo, how much money they were willing to throw at Carlos Correa, bringing in Robertson, trading for Rayleigh, bringing Ottavino back, spent a ridiculous amount of money. So I didn't really say too much about it, but this is, if you look at their bullpen now, you still have Robertson, Rayleigh, Ottavino, you have Drew Smith, but the Mets never took it the one step further. This I, I always felt this was the problem with the Mets in the Omar Minaya days before the Madoff scandal. They would get to a certain point and then they would stop. They wouldn't push themselves over the edge of where they needed to be to put the roster over the top. To their credit, they, they tried with Correa. I'm okay with the way the the um, 
position player part of the roster is shaping up. I'm really hoping Brett Beatty makes the opening day roster. Like I said a couple weeks back, if he makes the opening day roster and is given it enough time to really kind of grow into the major leaguer that everybody's been saying this kid has the, the ability to be, I'd like to think that solves some of the problems with the lineup because it gives you the other bat that you didn't really have and lengthens that lineup out. And if the Mets can be in a position where every position in the lineup is not an automatic out, except maybe catcher. Catcher's the only one you're okay with punting for right now, at least, until they decide to let Alvarez go. I I don't think that's going to be the first half of the season. I think if you see Alvarez at all this season, it'd be the second half of the season. But to have Beatty at third base, not just the flexibility of what he can do if he can play in left field, but the flexibility in terms of what it allows you to do with Escobar, like I said a couple weeks back, to have Escobar, and you still have Guillaume as your backup utility infielder, but to be able to, depending on how Beatty does against the lefties, Escobar's better against the lefties. You could have him as the uh, the right-handed side of the designator hitter platoon with Vogelbach. And, you know, either you let Beatty go at third base or you bring Guillaume to play or something like that. Both, at the very least, Guillaume looks better if you're only starting him a couple times a week. He really doesn't have that bad of a bat in small doses. So he'd be okay with that. Him and Tomas Nito are very much alike in that regard. But to go back to the, to the bullpen now, the Mets stopped at five pitchers who were out of options. Um, well, technically, I consider... Diaz, Robertson, uh, Ottavino, Raley, and Drew Smith, those were your five definites coming out of the offseason. They didn't want to go any further in terms of guys who would have had definite roster spots because they wanted the last three spots in their bullpen to be guys who had options left on their contract so they could send them down and kind of shuttle arms in and out of the bullpen throughout the season. Now, they, they're not the only team that, that you know, tries this tactic, manipulating the ability to option players. So, you know, if a guy you have to lean on for a couple innings, maybe he gets shelled, send him down, you get a fresher arm up, especially if, like, you paid, played a doubleheader or something, and you use, like, five or six pitchers and you need a fresh arm, you send a guy down, you're going to bring him back up. You just kind of mix and match and plug and play. And, you know, you go like that. And in theory, it's it's not a horrible idea. But when you do that, you're limiting yourself in terms of how many proven options you have on your team. And when you do that, and then you find yourself in a position where you don't have your top closer, not to mention one of the top three closers in all of baseball, now, not only are you a man down in the bullpen, but you're a definite man down in the bullpen, meaning a guy who you should be able to pencil in and moderately be able to rely on. Those back three spots, regardless of who they are, and I think 
guys like John Curtis, who the Mets had signed before last offseason, knowing he was recovering from Tommy John surgery. He had had uh, small success in uh, 2020 and 2021, I believe. Uh, so they were willing to take a chance on him. I do believe he's going to get a look at um, to, to start off the year. A guy like uh, Steve Nagasek, who had a couple decent moments last year, but for the most part, we, we he's been on the Mets roster uh, on and off for the better part of the last three or four years now. Not exactly a guy you can rely on, but he's probably going to start the year on the Mets roster because he's out of options. They had the Rule 5 guy that they took from the Yankees, Zach Green. They returned him to the Yankees earlier last week, I think. Uh, a guy in uh, Bryce Montes Diaca, a young guy who apparently has some really crazy stuff but struggles with control. He's hurt, so you don't have him as an option. And you got a lot of guys who may be able to give you some lightning in a bottle, but you don't have anyone at this point. You can even even moderately rely on to fill the gap. Zap Britton is available, and the Mets have you know he had a pitching showcase for himself earlier this offseason. The Mets were one of the teams that attended. Um, they haven't signed him yet. There were a lot of guys the Mets could have signed uh, after they re-signed Ottavino, and you had the five definites. There were quite a few guys they could have signed just to have a sixth definite arm in that bullpen and make you feel a little better in terms of the length of that bullpen. And if they had had that, I feel like they would have been in better position at this point. A guy like an Andrew Chafin. I like Zach Britton. He would have been good. They, they have not signed him yet. I am hoping now this will change that. There are apparently still a couple other relievers that you know may not have the best recent history but do have a history of doing some good stuff there I think I heard Will Harris's name mentioned he used to pitch on the Astros I think he's pitched with the Phillies at some point uh veteran left-handed pitcher so I I, I don't I, I at this point I think you got to sign every available relief pitcher to some sort of minor league contract and just hope something sticks what this reminds me of is where the Mets were in 2008 in August when Billy Wagner went down. Now, people think of 2007, 2008, they think of, you know, collapses both times. And I've said on the show before that I can tell you reasons why neither of them were collapses. 2007, the Mets just happened to be the one in first place, but the entire division acted like they were asleep for the better part of the season. But if you were watching, the Phillies looked like a team that was going to wake up at the right time. And they did in September. There was a game in 2017 where the Mets had a 10 to one lead heading into the eighth or ninth inning. And they won the game. They did 10 to nine. At that point, the Phillies knew they had the Mets number. They knew they, they, they had the confidence. And that, that, you know, proved uh, an arbinger of things to come later that season. So that's why 2007 wasn't really a collapse. 2008 
wasn't really a collapse because the Mets bullpen was in such disarray that you just knew the second Billy Wagner is out for the next month and a half, which happens to be the last month and a half of the season, you just knew this season was over. Just, just knew it. Now, there's enough time that this does not have to be the end of the Mets season. The idea that they're the favorites for everything right now, that's totally out the fucking window. I, I don't hate the fact that we're not going to be considered the favorites, but just by the fact that on paper, we still look like a team that can go with the Braves and the na reigning National League champion, Philadelphia Phillies. That fucking kills me to say. But um, the fact that we looked on paper like a team that still go with those teams and compete with those teams and might be favored over those teams in the right situation. I do think with Bryce Harper out for a lot of the year, uh, that's my right, folks. I'm sorry. We got a siren here. Okay, we're going to let the siren go. Um, with Bryce Harper out for a chunk of the season, even with Trey Turner, you still got Schwarber, you still got Castellanos. It's, it's a high-powered lineup, but I did think that the Mets could go with that on the right day. And I do think the Mets pitching staff is better than the Phillies pitching staff. I still wonder how Taiwan Walker is going to survive pitching his home games at Citizen Bank Ballpark. And, you know, he's been a guy who's faded in the second half the last couple of years. I just I wonder how that how his stuff is going to play in that ballpark all season, but especially in the second half of the season, if he's going to keep doing the fading down the stretch thing. So there's that. Um, but it was a team that you felt like you could, you could go with them. Now, Diaz was the one thing the Mets had over both the Braves and the Phillies when it comes when it came to the bullpen. The bullpen, uh, the Braves might have had a little bit more of a complete bullpen and i do think that if a situation like this happened to them they'd probably be in a better position to adjust off of it so that's a problem the phillies their bullpen's been in disarray the last few years now but they did make some moves to try to right that this offseason and i don't feel confident about saying the mets have a better bullpen than the phillies diaz was the one thing in that mets bullpen you could hang your hat on. Whether or not that would have continued this season is anybody's guess. I do think there would have been a regression. I don't think it would have been a huge regression, but I just, yeah, we, we can't even talk about that anymore. It doesn't matter if you thought he was going to regress. Now you don't have him at all, and now you're fucked. That's, that's unfortunately the way it is at this particular moment. As I said, they're fucked. They could rebound. It is, it's, it's not even April. So, you know, this, this is, I think, one of the ways where you're going to see, is Cohen really different than a Fred and Jeff Wilpon? Because I think in a situation like this, they wouldn't do anything to replace this. They'd say we have to replace it internally. And they might even drag out the injury diagnosis. You know, we found out what it was fairly early on. But, the you know, under the Wilpons, the Mets were, you know, a guy goes down for a hangnail and uh, 
in April, and then you find out in June he actually destroyed his fucking hamstring, and he probably hasn't recovered yet, so he's not coming back for the season. So I, I do think you have that, but let's see. And I really hope he's willing to do it because at the end of the day, this could have still been a, a really good season. I'm not going to say magical or anything like that because quite honestly, I really got myself sold that last season was that magical run. When you looked at how many things were aligning for us, how many injuries seemingly bounced off of us, how, how many headshots did Pete Alonso take last year? How many guys it looked like we're going to be we're going to be down for substantial periods of time and the Mets just kind of got through all of it you know the injuries kind of caught up towards the end of the season with Marte and Scherzer having to pitch through pain and not being anywhere near the pitcher you know we expect him to be a lot of things lined up last season and the fact that it ended so disastrous that was already uh, a, a thing that kind of made you think, what type of season are we really going to get out of these guys this season? Can they follow it up? Because that's what the Mets have just about never been able to do in their history. They're almost never able to follow it up. 86, 80, 87 starts off with Doc getting suspended for cocaine for the season. And, you know, they had David Cohn, but nobody in the pitching staff was really healthy, so... Didn't do that. 88, stopped by the Dodgers in the NLCS. 89, Daryl and Keith fighting at picture day. 1999 and 2000, first time the Mets ever make back-to-back playoffs in their history. 2001 comes and Steve Phillips loses his mind and trades away the entire 2000 roster for guys who did nothing. Eric's proverbial ham sandwich, folks. Anyway, 2015, followed up by 2016, ends in the wild card, the one-game wild card, which, you know, they consider that back-to-back playoff seasons, but I don't really consider that a back-to-back playoff season because we didn't really make the playoffs. We made the wild card game. That wasn't the playoffs then. You make the playoffs if you actually make a playoff series. You did not do that. And then we got this season, how that went. And yeah, you could say the Mets made the playoffs, but at the end of the day, it didn't matter because it's just big of a fucking debacle. So that's why I felt like last year was very important. And like I said, this past offseason was not perfect. It was a good offseason, but even in the good offseason, there's still a couple things that I didn't exactly feel great about them not working out for us. And now we lose Edwin Diaz. Now we lose Edwin Diaz. I think in the short term, you will see Robertson either, and I think they're going to split Robertson and Ottavino, or, you know, maybe Rayleigh gets a couple of uh, safe chances there uh, because he's a lefty, depending on the matchup. I'd be very surprised if they let Drew Smith have it right off the bat. He showed some flashes of potential last season, but the injuries kind of caught up to him, and there were times he still looked hittable. So I don't know if you rush him into 
saves in the ninth inning. It is going to be a committee thing. The idea that one person is going to come out of this and completely blow everybody away to the point where they're expected to close every day. I know Robertson's done it before. I think Ottavino did it before a long time ago with the Colorado Rockies, but Robertson's getting up there in years. Ottavino's no spring chicken himself. Rayleigh's never been a closer. And Smith is a young guy. Last year was the first season that he didn't really have to worry about his roster spot too much. So that's what you got right now. I think a guy like Britton would be very good to bring in, but I also think the problem is because you waited this long, now you got to wait for him to ramp up and you may not have him the month of April. So that, that in and of itself sucks, and it's why you can never have enough depth on the roster. And if you think your roster is pretty good, make one more fucking move. Just make yourself happy. I think we're all right here. Make another move. Just don't ask questions. Make another fucking move. What do you mean I got to make another move? It's fucking December. That's why. You don't know what's going to happen to these players. You don't know. You don't know. Age, attrition, injury, sucks. Who the fuck knows? Just sign another player. Pick a fucking position. Spin a wheel. So that's where we're at there. I've said these words before, which is why I fear for this season. They're not dead yet. They took a really deep gut shot here. And you don't know how deep the bullet went in. The first responders can get there fast and stop the bleeding. Keep everything going. Then they could be fine. This is a big fucking bullet, folks, and it made a big fucking hole. So this is this is a problem. And it will be interesting to see how the Mets navigate this. I think that's about everything I wanted to say on this particular matter. Um, hope you guys enjoyed listening to this. Thank you for everybody listening to us on uh, the podcasting outlets, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. Always thank you guys for listening to us. Um, We will be back Tuesday with the full gang. Um, If anything else happens, I will probably do another one of these. But if not, We will see you all Tuesday night. Thank you for listening, folks.